0: So let's talk about music. My name is Sergio Berrer, and I'm a composer and pianist that lives in Los Angeles with a classical music background. And today my guest is Robin Lana, the artistic director and founder of the Cincinnati Youth Choir. Hello, Robin.
1: Hi, it's nice to be with you.
0: Yes, same here. So um, how are you doing?
1: We're doing well in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's an interesting challenge that we're all going through right now, uh, but everything is moving forward and the youth are singing, the children are singing, and sometimes in person, sometimes online, and it's a lot of juggling, but it's, it's, it's going forward.
0: That's great. How are you doing the in-person thing?
1: The in-person so far has been once in a park, very, very briefly. And uh, last week it was in my driveway where I had um, a hard side of the house, hard driveway, hard other side of my neighbor's house. So lots of ventilation. And uh, they they were masked and singing about 10 feet apart um, with me conducting and my pianist was there. Uh, they sang for 30 minutes, and then we broke up and aired, let the place air out for 15, and then a new kid, group of kids came in. So we had about 18 to 20 per group that were there singing in person. It um, was our first time um, really rehearsing with masks on, um, and that's, it's, it inhibits them, um, possibly not even as much vocally as it does mentally, that that screen between you and them and the it inhibits, it, it inhibits their, uh, their personalities as much as it does anything else. So, um, you know, working through that and getting them to listen again and hear again in spite of the distance and the birds singing or the crickets chirping, <laughs> you know. Um, we're looking into places on campus because we're in residence at the University of Cincinnati, Conservatory of Music. Um, And there are some options on campus, but um, I'm not sure that right now they're much better than what we have right in my driveway, other than distance outside of the city from from where I am. Um, We're looking into garages on campus, uh, but I'm concerned about other noise in the city that would be open air garages. So um, we're playing with those ideas. And of course the weather is starting to change from summer to fall and so that's gonna become a factor very soon. Um, so we, we do have some space inside the conservatory um, that we have scheduled and we are just making sure that we are comfortable with the safety and protocols before we move forward with it. Um, they are singing in small groups on campus at the conservatory and so that is going well and talking with my colleagues there. Um, but it, it's I feel a different burden with youth. Um, I think the students that are on campus and they're in their own little campus group are different than my students that are coming from all over greater Cincinnati and then going back and who knows you know what they're exposed to there or what they could bring back with them. So it's just different different level of concern and protocol and then of course exposure to grandparents and all that that the college students may not readily have. So um, we just want to. Before we do anything, we we want to make sure we're erring on the side of safety.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I uh, I work with a choir here in Los Angeles with the San Fernando Valley Master Choir, and most of the of the people that belong to the choir are are you know older older people. So we are just doing virtual choir right now. Yeah. Because. There is no real way we know yet on how to do this with a, um, so we're all going through the same thing. All the choirs are going through the same. Tell us something, I I would like you to tell us, the Cincinnati Youth Choir is a very big organization, right? So yes. can you tell us a little bit about the, the organization itself, how many, how many choirs you have? And,
1: So in a non-COVID year, um, we normally have seven choirs-in-residence at the conservatory. And we have uh, several partnerships with CPS schools, Cincinnati Public Schools, uh, usually in anywhere from three to five schools each year, possibly more. Um, And we do um, an additional program that is out in the suburbs and, again, partnering with schools. So each semester we could have up to four schools. So it could be up to eight schools per year that we partner with. Um, then we have our summer programs and additional programs where we just have kids come on campus and sing. So we, we normally serve 900 to 1,000 singers a year. Um, our Suburban program is on hold right now. Um, hopefully we'll get it off the ground again in the spring, but it kind of depends what the school districts are doing. Our Cincinnati Public School program has been on hold, but we just found out that they are ready to have us come back because they are starting to go back in person in Cincinnati Public Schools. And uh, the parents are very eager to have activities, uh, planned activities for their students because we already had a partnership. They're not letting outsiders onto campuses, but uh, because we already had a partnership with them, um, we are considered part of the family basically. So we'll be able to get back into those students and serve those kids again. So that's exciting. I don't know how many we'll have. Um, Hopefully it'll be a nice healthy program, but within the, again, the the, um, confines of safety uh, numbers and being able to say distance and all that um our resident choirs are down dramatically in number we've got a lot of families that uh are singers in particular probably not even so much the families that they just um a lot of what we're doing is online a lot of it is zoom and uh those that especially started the school year on zoom just the thought of coming to zoom again uh was kind of tough and i understand that um we have a lot of singers that Truly understand the beauty and the artistry that's created and it's not the same when they're singing at home alone um, So we're doing the best we can to replicate that I've got different things that I'm doing that help bring that aspect into play um, One of which is the occasional in-person rehearsal, so they can hear each other again um, but uh, it's just it's a tough thing to replicate and I, I tell the the singers that I feel my job is to find the pathway to joy for them, that they still feel like it is artistically rewarding and that it's still an, a community they can rely on and feel safe with. And that's just really difficult when some of our singers can only participate because of other health reasons um, on screen. So even when we are able to come, in person, then they may not be able to be with us uh, we'll zoom them in and we'll we'll still include them digitally but um, it, it's hard it's really hard on our singers so we're really aware of uh, the social emotional health that we offer and that we make sure we maintain for our youth it's so important
0: definitely it's a it's a great i mean we all need the the singing mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very therapeutic thing it's uplifting and if they can do it if they can keep doing it it's for the best definitely
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah and uh one thing i wanted to talk to you about was uh how do you choose the the repertoire that that your choirs are going to sing how does that a lot of people when they go to concert they don't know uh how does the artistic director make the decisions on how what pieces they're going to do?
1: Yeah. So
0: what, what goes into your process of deciding programs and for what groups?
1: Well, we're in our 28th year as an organization and since 2001, we've been in residence at the Conservatory. and. For the majority of those 28 years, we've had a good relationship with the Cincinnati Symphony and Cincinnati Pops, so my singers have traditionally had a lot of exposure to the traditional uh, classical great composers that we would learn about in a conservatory, conservatory setting um and they sing they do that a lot with orchestra and adult choruses and collegiate choruses which are just top notch so it's it's great exposure it's a great way to introduce them to these you know, really uh, um the best composers historically of of um classical music and classical in that um conservatory kind of and and orchestral music um not necessarily the classical period um but uh, for, so for my program, um, in addition to that, because they get exposure to the that, I don't feel the pressing need to in- introduce them to those composers as much in my choir. So that opens the door for me to program a lot of new music and a lot of world music that is probably different than some get in school. Um and let the, the great composers of historical to great composers be the large experiences. And then we lear- they learn about them and we talk about them. And so they feel that. So it's, it's kind of a different exposure that uh, some programs aren't able to do if they want to make sure their students are getting the full music history background as well. Um, so I'm, I feel fortunate to be able to do that. Um, when I'm choosing repertoire, I am looking at text that is of value because we never just sing a piece uh, without exploring the meaning behind the text. Um, <clears throat> if we can have the inside information on what inspired the poet or the lyricist, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what was happening when they wrote that text. Um, then how the composer took that text and now set it and why they did certain things with the text to bring the text to life. So they have a real depth of understanding of what they're singing about and sharing. And that comes across in their performance because then they're not just deadpan faces singing to an audience. They're telling the story of what we've uh, explored in our rehearsals. So text um, is very, very important. Integrity um, of the music to me is very important. I never program stuff that's just trite even for our youngest singers try to anything that um, we would perform on stage that a parent may get in a car afterwards and say, Oh, you were so cute. That wouldn't be what cute was never the, what we would perform. So, um, and I, and we talk about that with our, with our singers, with our younger singers that the goal is not to be cute. It's just to, you know, bring, bring feeling and emotion to our audience and to our listeners. So, um, That's kind of my what I what I focus on when I'm looking at repertoire. Um, I also make sure I'm looking at a variety of composers. Um, I make sure that I have women represented. I make sure I have different races um, represented. Um, I don't stay away from any one group of composers, but I don't necessarily pile on with one set of composers, if that makes sense. Yes,
0: definitely. And how do you how do you treat the level of difficulties? I mean, do you take pieces that are uh, composed for, you know, professional ensembles or things and then do simplified versions for the kids, or just take pieces that are composed for that type of, of choir?
1: Uh, none of the above. <laughs> okay. um, I, I, I pick music that, I, as I mentioned, has musical integrity, mm-hmm. and I make sure that I find the pathway to bring that to the, my singers at their readiness level. So if um, I program something incredibly difficult for my advanced choir, I may need to really break it down so they understand what the chordal structure is or how these notes work together and then resolve or um, that you know they're in one step of a scale and their neighboring part is on this set step of the scale and the more they learn about it as young musicians the more they become independent musicians and they rise to the occasion of singing that difficult music Um, what that does in turn is over the years that compounds and every year I think I, I come in with a piece of music that I think this one's hard I've got them this year this one's going to challenge them and by the end of the first and second rehearsal they're ready to perform it it seems and I I, you guys this was the one that was supposed to be your hard one this year and they laugh they love rising to the occasion so um, it's fun because it challenges me to find music that I find appealing, that has musical integrity—not just hard for being hard's sake, um, right. but hard be- in that it's beautiful, and they can really sing into it. Um, and then I find the path to make it come to life, and like I said, bring it to them at their readiness level. So breaking it down um, educationally, however I have to, to make them see how it fits together, and then they become intelligent young musicians.
0: That's great. Yeah, it's. Uh... Definitely sounds like they are getting they are getting uh, musical experience from being in your choir. I mean that they are really learning how to be musicians, and uh, but that requires a an interesting level of commitment, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And, on on the teacher's part and on the kids' part, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you get the and you get the level of commitment from from your kids. You feel that they give it to you.
1: I do, especially especially in my advanced choir. Um, they were asked, oh, I don't know how many years ago, there was a survey done uh, by a colleague of mine. And she asked, what brings you back each week? And well, twice a week for that choir. That's my, the, the most advanced group is the one that meets twice a week and everybody else is once a week. Um, and she asked, what brings you back each rehearsal to this choir? And um, we really expected them one of the you know the top answer to be well my best friends are here I come here because this is where I see everybody Mm -hmm. Um, but that was actually not at the top the top by far was the challenge musically and the artistry and I thought well that's pretty impressive for youth to put that above all else that they love being challenged um, mentally and educationally and musically um, and emotionally in, the, in what we're doing. And that's what makes them keep coming back. And then the byproduct is my best friends are here because they love doing that too. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, the, the first thing that you think is yes, because of my friends or because, but to come here for a, for a high level of performance, for, for the level of, of artistry, that's a great answer.
1: It is a great answer. I was I was thrilled to see that was their answer with no coaching, you know, it was truly their their heart. It was great.
0: Tell me something, how, how little is your younger choir?
1: We start as young as first grade and we have all of our choirs, our resident choirs overlap in age. So anybody that comes into the program, well, first and second graders only have one choir they could go to, but by the time they get to third grade, there are two choirs they can go to in uh, fourth and fifth, fourth graders have two choirs they could go to, fifth graders have three, sixth graders have two, and then everything everybody up from sixth grade, there are two choirs. So we, again, we place them in the choir based on their readiness level, not on their age. Um, age is part of the factor but um just because they're a third grader if they've never sung before um they may not be ready for vivace which is the next level choir um of readiness they probably are ready for piccolo coro which is our really introductory level choir um and then from there like i said there's lots of overlap each each year each grade and we place them where they are going to grow the most sometimes we place them because they need to experience being a leader. Maybe they'll be in one choir for a year and they've been a follower, but they're ready to be a leader. But if I move them to the next level choir, then they become a follower again. Um, So we'd want them to get a year of being a leader before they could become a follower again and work towards the next level. So um, it's, we're very careful and thoughtful about how we place them and how we best serve our singers.
0: Wow. How many people do you have working with the choirs? Like uh, how many conductors do you have working on the year?
1: In a non-COVID year, (laughs) we've had to cut back a little bit, but we have, uh, let's see, me, four conductors of our resident choirs, and then everything out is many layers of of other people. Um, And then we have, within those four, we have two additional that are assistant directors, And then because we're at the conservatory we very often have student interns um, and Xavier University is in town and I very often have student interns from Xavier University because I taught there for about five years so some of those students still know me from there Um, so they come and just volunteer their time to get the experience so we always have student interns which are super helpful collegiate level interns um, and we give them teaching experience as well as um, some conducting experience. Right now they're getting some experience on how do you teach online? What do yeah. we do? Do we keep these, these youth engaged? And um, I, I'm having um, a challenge myself, finding the online level of not having them feel that I'm insulted or I'm putting pressure on them. To get a specific project done or submitted to me, that it's not a reflection of them. It's it's a comfort level of singing on their own. It's um, a pressure of so much online school going on. Even though most of our kids are back in person, not all are. Um, so there's there's a balancing act to make sure that what we are offering is clearly. Um, they're not let they are they're very conscious to not let me down and that always breaks my heart because it as long as they're doing what they can and they're communicating it would be really hard for my singers to let me down you know i i just i don't ever want them to feel that pressure and emotion but i guess that speaks to their love of the program and their respect for me and the team that they don't want to have that. Um, so I make sure I meet with them one on one if I sense that or if I've heard that from a parent or from one of the singers and we talk about it and I make it very clear, don't feel that pressure, you know, let's just get through this year because this is we need each other to get through this year. So cool. And
0: now about the music itself, what have been some of the, your you consider your greatest hits? Like the some pieces that you have really worked on with your kids and everybody loved it and and the public loved it and you loved it and so w- what kind of music has brought that experience what, you know, what some pieces some examples I, of that
1: i we've been really fortunate to work with wonderful composers that know my choirs personally really well and so when they are composing their music for us they're not just composing for the Voice range and voice part that they know that age or that choir would be they actually know how I teach they know how we interact as an ensemble. They know the tone color I produce and they really compose into what they know my choir will bring out so um, Two of my favorites. uh, Boy, it's hard to narrow it down, but two of my favorites were from our 25th 25th anniversary season, which was now um, three years ago. one was um, Andrea Ramsey's She, which was a piece uh, that Laura Mvulo uh, composed and performed. She is from Great Britain, I believe. And Andrea adapted it for my choir and for Christy Elsner's um, Allegro Community Choir um, out of Kansas City. Um, and so Christy and I both had the joy of premiering that. Um, and it's just, it's a great piece about... Um, the empowering young women, basically. And um, it's, but very pop in nature. Uh, Lauren Vula is very much a pop singer uh, with a lot of world cultural influence in her sound. It's, it's, she's a great artist. And Andrea captured that beautifully. And our kids really loved that because they could hear this in Laura's voice and then they could easily hear what Andrea did to adapt it. And it was a beautiful way of doing it. and then uh, also that, that same year, our 25th anniversary, uh, one of the nearest, dearest pieces to my heart, and it's actually popped up several times with um, various um, radio stations around the country this year with people looking for how do we support choral music and what's going on, and they have reached out. So I've shared this, the recording with several people. Um, it's uh, Dominic DiOrio's We Will Do Miracles. Um, He wrote that for us because he had worked with us with the Vocal Arts Ensemble, our our professional choir in Cincinnati, Uh, VAE under Craig Hella Johnson had commissioned him uh, for that fall, and uh, we premiered that with VAE, Cincinnati Chamber Orchestra, and CYC, Um, And so Dominic and I had already known each other for years. We'd worked together at Chorus America and American Choral Directors Association. And um, our our paths have crossed and we've been friends for a long time. But um, he really, even though he'd heard my choir, he really got to know it because of that. And a commission we had lined up for our 25th anniversary fell through at the last minute, Um, in spite of the fact that it had been in process for two years. So it, that was devastating. And we found out about it falling through in mid-December when we were supposed to be premiering it in March, that coming wow. March.
0: That's a failure. Tally-
1: so, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, and that's how we got into the shared uh, commission with Andrea, with Christy Elsner. So Andrea and Christy were gracious enough to let us jump on in on that as well. And Christy and I have similar programs. Um, but I got on the phone with Dominic and because there are very few composers that can compose something they're truly happy with really fast. Um, it's, it's a matter of writing it down, hearing it, playing with it, adjusting it. Um, and Dominic is really unique in that he does that in his head first. And then by the time it actually gets to the paper, he has been known to say he changes it very little. So he's analyzing before it gets on paper. And then once it gets on paper, he's, he's pretty much good to go. Um, and so I called Dominic and I said, I was in tears. And I said, hey, this happened. And he said, what do you need? And I said, well, do you, is there any way you could write something for us? And he said, I will do it. And I said, well, no, wait till you hear the whole thing. He said, you need it yesterday. I said, I really do need it yesterday. The premiere is <laughs> three months away. And uh, he said, it's okay, I will do it. And so we explored some text, that I, same text I had explored with this other composer. And um, Dominic, the next morning, had taken it was uh, Walt Whitman's uh, Songs of the Open Road. Uh-huh. And he had taken the text that he and I had explored, pared it down into what is the text of We Will Do Miracles. And it is... The perfect text for a celebration of youth and looking forward and the things that they have ahead of them in their life. Um, One of the things Dominic and I talked about was not only do my singers sing difficult music really well, but their unison is stunning. And that's because of the way they listen to each other and the way they line up the vowels and the purity of the sound and it's very difficult to sing a really stunning unison. Um, And I said, I would love to have something that went from this beautiful unison back to really tough chords and back to unison and kind of playing off those two strengths of my choir. And he said, oh yeah, that's great. And sure enough, so he said, uh, yes, he would do it. He said, I would have the piece by February 1st. And I thought, well, that's enough time. I'll get it done. He actually got it to me before we started rehearsals in January. And it is... The most perfect piece um, that I think I have done for a youth choir in that with that purpose, celebrating their future, celebrating the things they have to look forward to. Um, so much so that my seniors, my graduating seniors last year, we had just pulled it out because that was what they requested to bring back from their years of the program. So right. it meant so much to them, they wanted to bring it back. We had just pulled it out. And then the breaks went on and COVID. So we never got to actually do it last year with those kids.
0: I see. Can I ask you a big favor? Do you mm-hmm. have a recording of that? Sure do. Yep. Can you send it to me so that uh, I can put it right at this moment in the podcast so people can see what we we're talking about?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That would be fabulous. I I would appreciate that very much. Right. You know, it's uh, when things come together in a in a choral setting. It's a very satisfying experience for everybody.
1: It is. It is. Yeah. And Dominic was able to be at the premiere with us and so the, the kids got to sing it for him and see the joy that he exudes when he runs onto stage. He's just such a wonderful person.
0: That's great. Okay. That's uh that's very interesting. I think we're gonna we're gonna stop at this moment and uh, we're gonna end the the podcast with a piece I, I wish, well, um, we could, uh, well, I'm going to put it on and everybody's going to be able to see what we were talking about. Great. And I want to thank you very much for coming with me and, and sharing some of your, uh, your uh, experience as an artistic director of a, of a children's choir. And my pleasure. Uh, my pleasure and i'll i'll uh, let you know when this is ready to go
1: yeah that's great me, um i'll send you a link to the we are uh, we will do miracles so that you can pull that off of what off of google drive probably
0: okay great thank okay. you very much okay you're
1: welcome thank you, you. it's good to see you
0: Yes, same here Take
1: thanks it.
0: okay bye-bye bye-bye